The following program contains adult content. It is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. This content is not safe for work. If you are a pearl clutcher, a prude, or a pious type, just don't listen. Welcome to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. I am your host, Laura Coronado. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize there are no nice guys. As I say in the intro, my name is Laura Coronado. I am your host. And today we're talking about the big D. And I don't mean the good kind of big D that I love to talk about. I'm talking about the other big D, divorce. Now, last week, we spoke with Elizabeth, and she talked about breaking up during a pandemic. And one of the things that I really hope you got out of that interview is that there is some hope and some optimism in Elizabeth's story. I mean, she does not feel lost, insecure, or regretful about her decision. She feels hopeful. She is looking forward to her future and to this new chapter in her life. So if you're going through your own breakup, through your own divorce, I hope that is a theme that you keep in mind, that post-breakup, post-divorce, there is optimism and there's hope. So sticking along with that theme, I brought back my friend Jody. Now Jody was in episode two, so last season, and she was here to talk about divorce. She was talking about her divorce and she was freshly going through it. Um, So if you didn't listen to that interview, you might want to go back and listen to Jody's interview in season one, episode two, when we talk about divorce and then listen to this one because it's like a whole different Jody. It is one year later now. It's one year post divorce for Jody and her voice sounds different. Her demeanor is different. Um, She seems optimistic and hopeful and joyful. And she finds humor and all those weird and awkward things that happen when you get back to the single scene after a divorce, after a breakup, and add to that over 40, because that does make a difference. So two things I want you to consider um, as you listen to uh, Jody's interview, um, if you are a woman and you're planning to get divorced, you're planning to break up, um, if you're going through it right now and you're wondering what the fuck did I get myself into, um, one is that, um, and this, these are the two things that we all have in common as newly single women, women after a breakup or divorce. There will be awkwardness. There will totally be awkwardness. You're going to feel awkward on your first fucking date. You're going to feel awkward the first time a man who isn't your husband or isn't your boyfriend or who isn't your significant other sees you naked. You're going to feel awkward the first time you have sex. And you know what? You're just going to feel awkward as a newly single woman. I mean, you had already established your identity as a wife, as a girlfriend, as a, as a fiance, as a partner. 
And now you have to reestablish yourself as a single woman, especially in a, a world and a country and a society that doesn't really look too fondly on those of us who are single women. So just know that we all have that in common. If you're feeling awkward and weird, that's normal. And we all felt that way at one point after our breakup, after our divorce. Second thing, there is optimism and hope to be had. And listen to last week with Elizabeth. You'll hear it in her story. You're going to hear it right now in Jody's story. So keep that in mind. So tune in and remember, you're not alone. Your feelings are normal. Everything you're going through feels, all the feelings and emotions you have, everything is normal. And there is optimism and hope to be had. You're listening to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize there are no nice guys. I have brought back a single woman who was here uh, for season one. It's my friend Jody. Uh, she was here for episode two when we talked about divorce. And at that time, Jody was freshly experiencing divorce. I believe when we recorded the episode, she was about to file papers or close or whatever, but she was right there on the brink of divorce. Um, and now here it is, it's like a year later. And so I want to go over like, what is a, what is it like after divorce? What is dating like after divorce? What is sex like after divorce? And to add to that, because Jody is in my age range, we're both over 40. We're going to discuss dating and sex um, and being single after 40 as well. So Jody, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me back. It's great. I mean, I feel I'm in such a different space this time since the last mm -hmm. time that we talked. So I'm mm -hmm. excited to have this conversation with you. Well, that's why I brought you back uh, because of the fact that it's been a year later. And I know from my own personal experience, how much can happen in a year after divorce. So I want to discuss that with you because before we started recording, you and I were chatting about the pandemic and we're both assuming and predicting and expecting a lot of divorces. So I'm assuming a lot of women are going to be listening to this episode who are either about to file for divorce, just got a divorce. I want to educate them and prepare them for what that first year after divorce is like. So before we go into that, I want to ask you just generally speaking, not necessarily about dating or sex, but how are you doing as a newly divorced woman? How are you? So I feel like my divorce experience is a bit different than maybe the norm because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my divorce happened. And right when I got into the swing of dating full force again is when mm -hmm. COVID hit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and it really shifted things for me a little bit or the way that I look at things. And um, so I don't know, you know, comparing it to maybe what a normal situation may be like after divorce, my situation mm -hmm. was unique because of that. But I will mm -hmm. say that I feel probably the strongest and Ooh. the best that I've, I've been in a really long time. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I think this self-isolation, the quarantine actually helped the healing mm -hmm. process along in, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in a way. And so I think it was very good for me. 
That's important to note because when I got divorced, which was about five years ago, I'm coming on my five year anniversary of being divorced. Um, I, there was no pandemic. And so it was difficult for me to focus on myself. I used men dating sex as a distraction from focusing on myself. And it was probably a good year later before I started seeing a therapist. And I wish I had started seeing one sooner. Um, But I used that first year to be like a girl's gone wild kind of girl. So, and I think it actually is smarter to do it the way you said, where you were part of your, you were self-isolating, yes, because of the pandemic, but in that process, you're also completely focusing on yourself and just sort of, I don't know, it's like a rejuvenation, isn't it? Yeah, it was a little bit of a gift because I don't know Mm -hmm. if I would have been able to sit still on my own. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about what happened during the COVID. It wasn't, there wasn't, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't quiet necessarily, Mm -hmm. but uh, Mm -hmm. um, I think that it had forced me to be more introspective about my divorce and my life. And and I needed that at the time. So yeah, um, yeah. While it was, you know, very difficult to go through that whole self-isolation thing, I'm grateful for the opportunity because I I don't know if I could have done it myself. So good piece of advice then for anyone listening who's um, new to divorce or or going through one now is, you know, take that first year to focus on yourself. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't date, but it does mean that you should you should take some time to reflect, um, not to blame but to reflect and to learn and to grow stronger. As you said, you you feel like you're stronger now than you've ever been before. Yeah, because time is the biggest healer. And I think we all know that. So as time mm-hmm. passes, every day you feel a little bit better. When you mm-hmm. are stifling that healing process with outside stimulation of any kind. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I and I did. I, with boys and you know, we were joking mm-hmm. about my plant buying obsession, which we'll get into, <laughs> you know, whatever I can as a distraction, it, it, yeah. it stifles that opportunity to heal. But when you're forced into a situation where you can't go buy plants or you can't just go meet a random boy or you can't do those mm-hmm. things, you're mm-hmm. kind of forced to sit with yourself and, and it, it speeds the healing process up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you, when we first started talking about your divorce a year ago, um, you were very hesitant about dating and you came to Vegas, um, for, um, I think it was work camp, right? For, yeah. For the Vegas meetup. Work, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, um, I got you on Tinder. Yes, you did. <laughs> as a fun experimentation. I'm like, just look at it. I just, I just wanted you to get the look and feel of using it. And it was an overwhelming experience. You had talked about that last time that you were on the show. Um, it was an overwhelming experience because you had all of these men responding to you and some of them weren't even using their pictures. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a weird freaky experience for you. So now here it is a year later. I know you've been dating. I know you've been online dating as well as just, you know, meeting people in person. Mm -hmm. Um, you seem nowhere near as intimidated by by dating anymore than you were like a year ago. A year ago, you seemed, you know, nervous and hesitant. And now you're like, I don't know, you seem like pretty badass at it. What do you think? <laughs> how, how, what has dating been like for you in the past year? So it's interesting because, you know, I had been with my ex for nearly 15 years. Like mm-hmm. you, it was a very long mm-hmm. relationship. So mm-hmm. 
prior to my relationship with him, online dating was not a thing. I, it it had just started to kind of materialize before I met my ex. Um, and I remember I tried it briefly. That's a, actually a funny story, but I tried uh, eHarmony briefly. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and so this would have been in 2004, 2005, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, eHarmony was very new. It was this like 50-page application, I swear. So oh, me and my two friends decided all to do it at the same time. What was funny mm-hmm. is that I only had two matches. They were going on dates literally every night. Could not stop getting requests. I had two matches. About three weeks later, same two matches. One was like a vampire. (laughs) And one was like a guy that lived in his mom's basement. I'm not exaggerating at all. Um, Which kind of sounds like a vampire too. You're living in the basement. So it kind of sounds like you get two vampires. (laughs) I I ended up calling customer service (laughs) and said... I think something's wrong with my account. You know, my friends are, they're literally five, six dates a week. I have had the same two people for three weeks. It's not, you know, it's not shifting. So she's like looking at my application, checking the algorithm, trying to figure out what is actually happening. And there's this long pause. I will never forget this. This long pause. And she says, honey, I'm just going to give you your money back. (laughs) And I said, I'm unmatchable. I, that is really Whoa. what I'm unmatchable. That's what it comes down to. So she did. She gave me my money back and I got off eHarmony. <laughs> oh this is a true story. So I, I met my ex and I was with him for 15 years. I had no experience mm-hmm. with online dating until you introduced me to Tinder. Um, mm-hmm. I had heard of it and fr- some friends used it, yeah. but I had never actively engaged in it. Um, mm-hmm. I could not believe or comprehend the volume of people. Um, Mm -hmm. and also I found it because this was not something in my normal experience, judging people just quickly based on a photo, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going right. Or maybe a couple words that they said, it just felt like such Mm -hmm. a, a, an odd experiment. But then I realized as I got more comfortable with it, there are patterns, there are things to look for. You start Mm -hmm. to get a little bit more in tune with who are the proper people to engage with and who aren't. And those are skills that need to be learned, online dating skills that need to be learned. I didn't have those a year ago. And I took some time and I started to learn them. So I feel a little bit more educated now, which in turn has given me the confidence to utilize online dating more effectively. And so it's made the experience better too, because I'm not Mm -hmm. naive and green and uh, I just understand kind of the, the things that are happening in those apps a little bit more. I'm nowhere near mm-hmm. perfect for sure, but yeah, I definitely have much more of an education than I did a year ago. So just simply by actually utilizing these apps, these dating apps, and just sort of going into it, but then also at the same time, it sounds like you applied your skills for um, observation and uh, studying patterns, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically just doing it, but then pay, be mi- being mindful and observant and noting certain things. And then that sort of built your confidence in you being able to online date. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I hate using this expression, but honestly, it mm-hmm. really best summarizes what I need to say. You have to shoot mm-hmm. your shot. So even even if there's guys you think that are unattainable for you, 
you know, mm-hmm. just just do it because I am surprised sometimes at uh, some of the people that I actually connect with. They are not normally the people that I would have chosen. And uh, that's been interesting too. So when you say you're surprised, okay, I want to cover two things because I kind of, I because you and I have a relationship that is beyond this podcast, so I kind of know what you're touching on this. So one, are you surprised when they're like really hot? Because the other day you did show me a picture of a guy that you've been talking to and this dude is like, <laughs> you're not surprised about that, are you? Because you're very beautiful yourself. So I'm hoping that when you match with a hot guy that you're like, damn straight, I match up with this hottie. That's very sweet of you to say. And that guy is smoking hot. <laughs> God. Um, he's like, he, he should be in a Hollywood movie. He's hot. He's like Avengers hot. And we talk every day and it's been oh so much fun. Um, and I've really enjoyed the banter with him and I, he, it's great. That's, that's a yeah, really yeah. good situation that's currently happening and right now in real time. But to your uh, other point, um, uh-huh. y- you know, I think coming out of divorce, your self-worth is shaken to yes. the core. Good point. And you have to do a lot of work to get in touch with that again or understand what your mm-hmm. value is mm-hmm. and, and feel mm-hmm. that confidence as a woman again. And that takes some time. And so initially mm-hmm. when you start dating, there is this, it's inevitable. You, you've just come out mm-hmm. of a marriage that failed. And so you start dating and you're projecting all of those feelings onto these people that you're mm-hmm. meeting. And you're saying, well, he'll never mm-hmm. like me. He's going to go yeah. for someone younger. He wants someone thinner. Mm-hmm. He wants someone with blonde hair. He wants someone with brown eyes, whatever it is. Um, and mm-hmm. you start thinking all of these things. But then as you get to meet people and you start to talk to people outside of the context of your marriage, you start to realize that all different kinds of people, like all different kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And once you start to Mm -hmm. understand that, that fear of maybe being judged or not being uh, good enough for someone or whatever, it Mm -hmm. starts to dissipate a little bit. Um, Yeah. But you, that, uh, that is one of the, I think, damages that happens coming out of a divorce. You're just Mm -hmm. shaken and you need to reestablish your worth again for yourself, for yourself. So what you're saying is that it does catch you off guard when a really hot guy matches with you. Well, for in my situation, it did because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because of the way my marriage ended, uh, mm-hmm. that when you see a super hot guy who's like maybe a little bit younger or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you want, you start to think like, I'm 44 years old. You know, I'm not a size two. I'm not any of those things. What could he possibly mm-hmm. see in me? And then you start mm-hmm. to talk to them and you realize that they, you know, and this particular person is uh, nearly my age and he's mm-hmm. kind of fed up with the games of younger girls. And mm-hmm. he realizes that, uh, you know, he wants to be with somebody who can maybe hold a conversation or whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you start to see that people all have different ideas of what beauty is. Yeah. So, you see this, what I think is a really hot guy. Somebody else may look Mm -hmm. at and say, I don't think he's that attractive. And the same Mm -hmm. goes for me. Some guy may look at me and be like, she's beautiful. But another guy just might be, you know, that's me. It's not what I'm into. (laughs) Yeah. Once you can kind of see that and understand that Mm -hmm. and not take it personally, it feels so much better. That's the key is to not take it personally. Because like you just pointed out, 
we as individuals, as women, we have our own tastes and our own uh, likes and dislikes. And so we should assume that men are the same way too. And, you know, and just like, you know, I like um, ethnic men with beards and brown eyes. Um, and it doesn't mean that I would never date, you know, uh, a paler skinned man with blue eyes, you know, but I do have my likes. And if I have my likes and I should accept that other men are going to have their likes too. Not all men are going to look at me and go, oh, she's hot. Some men are going to look at me and just kind of be like, eh. And I shouldn't take it personal. It's not a big deal. Right. Right. And that um, is, the, that is the, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's like the self-worth, okay. the self-value you need to build in yourself. Because if you're yes. in a marriage where you didn't believe that, or you weren't reminded of that, or you weren't told mm-hmm. that, you're going to come mm-hmm. out thinking that that is truth. So it's yes. a matter of finding your new truth. <laughs> Well, the other thing that I want to touch about what surprised you um, is that you have surprised yourself, right? Isn't that the other surprise that you, you've surprised yourself and maybe you're not only looking at the hot guys, like haven't you sort of left your comfort zone, stepped out of your comfort zone now and then? I don't think you're completely always leaving your comfort zone and I don't think you've lowered your standards. I think it seems to me that you're sort of experimenting outside of your regular comfort zone. Am I right? I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a, uh, <laughs> yes, that is all true. There was somebody who, mm-hmm. who blindsided me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was <clears throat> nobody that I would see walking down the street and say, Hey, I want to date that guy. It was, uh, yeah. I, I really do feel like I got blindsided a bit by it. But instead of going to that place of instant rejection, because it maybe wasn't the norm, I decided Mm -hmm. to entertain it. And then that, Mm -hmm. what, turned into months of being with this person. So uh, that led to an adventure. It led to one of the best adventures of my life. See, I mean, that's really nice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we've also talked about like even guys who are shorter than you. Like you wouldn't normally swipe right on a guy who's shorter than you, but I've seen a couple of times where you've like, hmm, maybe I'll give this guy a shot. Yes, because I'm five eight, and so when somebody tells mm-hmm. me that he's five eight or five six, I have this instant hesitation, and I have since tried to let that go because people will surprise you. Like the person mm-hmm. that we were just talking about surprised mm-hmm. me. Um, yeah, and I'm so glad that I, I took my judgmental self out of this equation for a moment and mm-hmm. was just able to kind of look at it as an experience. But I think that that's the other key. Uh, being in my 40s, coming out of this divorce, there's not one person that I looked at that I went in knowingly saying, I want to be in a relationship right now with this person. Yes. Every mm-hmm. situation I've been going into, it's been like, let's see what happens right now. Let's just have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not looking for my next husband. I just yeah. am looking for experiences. And what I yeah. kept saying to this guy was, is I just want to feel things again. And anybody mm-hmm. who that is went through a divorce knows exactly what that means. Well, I want to go back to the height again, because you said anyone who tells me five, six, five, eight, I'm sure you've learned by now that anyone who tells you he's five six is actually five four, and anyone who tells you he's five eight, he's actually five six, right? A hundred percent, yeah. 
<laughs> Everybody. I was- mean, let's just put. I mean, again, listeners, if you're new to divorce, you're newly hitting the dating scene. Just know, men fucking lie about their motherfucking height, and if they're lying about their height, they're lying about their dick size too. Every time, and, and yes. li- literally every single time. In fact, I was watching this uh, dating show on TV the other day, and I was laughing because mm-hmm. this woman said, "I only date by the rule of six. And I had never heard that before, but it's six feet, six inches, six figures. <laughs> oh, I love her. But you know, that six inches, that would not work for me at all. Unless, unless it's six inches flaccid. Okay. But she did. But I, you know what? I love her style. I love her style. I think that's awesome. Well, okay. So that brings us to standards, right? Like it's good to, to know what your standards are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is part of the whole dating process. Um, and I want to cover that, but before we go there, because I want to go back into the past again, mm-hmm. what was your very first date after your divorce like? And it doesn't have to be an online date. It could have been someone that maybe you reconnected from your past, whatever, but that first date, and it doesn't have to be sexual. Maybe there was no sex, just the dressing up, the meeting this person out. What was your first date after divorce like? You remember that too. <laughs> um yeah it was right before the holidays last year Mm -hmm. and it was somebody that I had known for a period of time but uh we never really connected and Mm -hmm. he'd given me some time after the divorce and finally said do you want to just meet up and hang out basically and I was nervous I was so nervous I hadn't been on a date in again nearly you know 15 years and um I got dressed and I went and he was very kind and he had presents for me because it was near the holidays Aww. and, you know, we had some cocktails and hung out and it was great. Nothing happened. I uh, walked out of that situation feeling like I was not ready to date. Honestly, I, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable. I just, not that he did anything to make me feel uncomfortable, just didn't mm-hmm. feel right. But then I had another date that weekend with somebody else. Um, Mm -hmm. and I decided that I was just going to go because I was just going to say yes to things and see what happens. And so I went Mm -hmm. on that next date, same thing, got all dressed up. He had Christmas presents. We had drinks, we hung out, nothing happened after. Uh, and then I realized Mm -hmm. that maybe I needed just another beat to get through the holidays because that wasn't fun. It didn't feel fun Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's what I did. And then going into the new year, I reevaluated. Yeah. But that's important to point out um, because you know what? That's not uncommon at all, Jody. I hear that so many times from people, uh, from women specifically. Um, those first dates after divorce are awkward and weird. And they do either lead you to believe, yeah, I'm ready for this, or they lead you to believe that you're not. Um, or they lead you to believe that maybe you need to up your standards because the guy you're on a date with is like, what the fuck am I even doing here? You know? Um, but um, that's important to note is that it's not some uh, Beauty and the Beast type of moment, that first date. It is like a fucking, it's awkward. It's, it's awkward and you feel weird. It's so awkward. And I, I don't know if this is just me, but going to a nice restaurant and having drinks and dinner is not fun for me on a first date, mm-hmm. right? The eating in front of people and you're getting, you know, you're having cocktails. So you're getting a little bit like a... Uh, uh, looser, tipsy, tipsy you know, yeah. so you start mm-hmm. maybe talking like you wouldn't normally do talk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how to phrase that without me sounding like an alcoholic, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, it, it doesn't, it's not a natural setting to yeah. meet somebody and mm-hmm. uh, engage in conversation the right way. For me, the guy that's going to win me over is the guy that says, uh, let's go to the zoo or something on a first date. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. more my speed. I don't really love sitting there force feeding myself mediocre food, drinking cocktails, yeah. trying to connect with somebody. So that was something yeah. I learned really quickly that I wasn't mm-hmm. going to be the traditional dater. I'm not going to be able to do mm-hmm. coffee, drinks, dinner. People are going to need to be a little bit more creative with me um, mm-hmm. because I, I, it's almost like I'm past that stage of my life. We could do dinners and stuff, mm-hmm. But when I first meet yeah. you, let's do it in a more comfortable environment. That was something I learned mm-hmm. really quick. Well, that's good. That's good that you learned something out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the first time you had sex? The very first guy yes. that you had, maybe not sex or maybe a sexual encounter because my first time was not a sexual, was not penetration, was not intercourse. It was an encounter. Um, so the very first time you have a sexual encounter or sexual intercourse with a man after divorce, what was that like for you? Oh my God, it was terrible. Um, oh no. It was terrible. I, I did have sex with him. And this was mm-hmm. actually right, this was right around those dates. Um, mm-hmm. But it was somebody that I had met on a dating app. Okay. And we had talked for a while. Actually, we had been talking mm-hmm. for a while and we decided to finally go out. And uh, I, you know, I... <laughs> Oh God, this is what I was, I was starting, <laughs> I'm thinking about it now and I'm actually like getting jittery. Cringing? Yeah, I'm cringing a little bit. <laughs> that, so we had this really nice evening. We, we hung out, we watched movies, you know, we had some food, whatever. One thing led to mm-hmm. another and, you know, we were in bed. And mm-hmm. I remember when he was taking off his clothes uh, and looking at him going, oh my God, 40 year old men are old. That was my first <laughs> thought. Um, oh, that's awesome! I love that. My, <laughs> because my ex, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clarify all of this. So please don't realize mm-hmm. I was not left with that thought. But my ex was eight years younger than me, so mm-hmm. I had never been with a man in his forties. Even though I was in my forties, mm-hmm. I had never been with a man in his forties. And mm-hmm. so this was my first time, and I my point of reference had always been younger guys. I always dated younger, always. Uh-huh. Uh, again, you know, X was eight years younger than me. Uh, unless I, in high school, I always dated older, but mm-hmm. you know, then I always dated younger. So anyway, uh, this was my first time dating somebody who was age appropriate. Uh-huh. And I, my brain had just not caught up with the fact that bodies are different and things are different. <laughs> And it was my first initial reaction. But then mm-hmm. I, you know, to so guys don't feel like shitty after listening to this. Uh, let me catch up and just say that I quickly realized it was just this person. And that I have mm-hmm. since met people in their 40s who look amazing. But yeah, at the time, that was my thought. Like, oh my God, people yeah. in their 40s are old and they're pasty. <laughs> And they're doughy. And that, so I'm going into this situation about to have sex with this man. And this is what I'm thinking. So it didn't, it didn't set the mood. It didn't. Yeah. It was not a good start to the situation. Um, it was jarring. It sounds like you were jarred when that happened. Like I, it, you know, it, it shook you. 
It shook me. I was completely taken off guard. I had not been touched by somebody else in a very long time in that way. And so I think mm-hmm. my brain was doing things like almost as a defense mechanism in a way oh, as well. So I just yes. kept having like all these thoughts. But then also mm-hmm. I will say, you know, not to knock this guy, but it was just mm-hmm. boring. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not, I, I don't do boring well. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, no. doesn't really work for me. <laughs> so yeah. I remember at one point even I heard my phone go off and I texted somebody back in the middle of it. That's how, no. oh yeah, it was bad. So he's, was he inside of you and you're texting somebody? Um, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was totally bored. He was into it, I think, but I just yeah. wanted it to be over. Like that, oh, like, God. like, I just want this to be over. And it was, sucks. and when it was over, I said to him, you can't stay here tonight. Um, oh, good for you. I don't, you know, feel comfortable with you staying. And he left and then I never talked to him again. Yeah. And that was my first experience. And so it was bad. It was just bad all around. And you know, to be honest, I, so there's a couple of things with this. One, I wanted it to happen because I just wanted to get over the initial hump of having sex after marriage yes. with somebody. I just wanted to do it just to like break the cherry almost and, you know. Yeah, kind of like when we leave our community. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just like move on to the next thing. So I was like mm-hmm. in it to win it that night. I kind of knew that that was what I was going to do. And I had that in my mind. I just needed to get over this hurdle. It was. It had been, yeah. I felt like long enough at that point. So um there wasn't, it wasn't like I was sitting there thinking, I want to stop this, but I can't. I was going through it going, just get through it. Cause once you get through it, you'll be through it. Like, that's what I was thinking. I'm not necessarily yeah. saying or recommending that train of thought, but yeah, that was my mental capacity at the time. Um, mine is the complete opposite. And um, I lucked out, you know, mine was a, a sexual um, encounter and experience with the man. It was not intercourse. It late, we, later on, we moved on to intercourse. But the first time I was with another man, another man touching my naked body, um, that was, it was an incredible experience. One, it was a man that I was already extremely attracted to. Um, had even masturbated to or thought about and fantasized about when I was married. Mm -hmm. So because this guy was like a colleague, a peer. um, So when I was married, you know, it was hands off. I didn't flirt with him. I mean, I smiled in that flirty kind of way, but I didn't like openly flirt with him. Um, But I did think of him was very attracted to him. And I could tell he was attracted to me as well. Then once I got divorced and it was okay, um, we had a sexual experience where – I basically jacked him off. I gave him a hand job mm-hmm. while he played with my breasts and my breasts love attention. So for me, it was very enjoyable experience. Um, and I didn't have an orgasm, but it was an enjoyable experience for me. And the first moment, Jody, that he put his hands on me and I, I mean, on my naked torso, mm-hmm. um, I was quivering. I was quivering like a leaf in the wind. My teeth were even chattering. It was the most erotic feeling because I had been monogamous for 22 years. So to have this other man who was younger than my husband, had a bigger dick, more attractive than my husband um, physically, 
um, sexier, you know, all of that. And it was like you said earlier about being surprised. Like I was surprised that this man was even attracted to me. He's about nine years younger than I am. Um, just really sexy and really handsome. And coming out of my divorce, I felt frumpy and fat. Yep. And uh, my ex wasn't having sex with me. So I felt unattractive. I felt like I'd lost my sexuality, like I lost my sex appeal. Yep. And so for this man to touch me, and the way he touched me too, Jody, he touched me like he was enthralled with me. I love like that. Like he was captivated. Yeah. So for me, it was just, that's why I quivered, I think. I think for me it was more, it, yes, it was the fact that there was a different man touching me, but it was also, I could sense his worshiping of me. I could sense his admiration. And it just felt so fucking good to be put on this sexual pedestal. And to be touched like I was some sort of fucking goddess. So I think that every divorced woman finds that person. And that mm-hmm. is the moment when it, everything changes almost. When you rediscover how beautiful, sexy, and sensational you truly are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so overall, and it's probably something that you never really gave much thought to, but overall, is dating after 40 what you thought it would be? Is dating after divorce what you thought it would be? Like I said, you probably never really thought about it, but you probably still had some sort of judgment, or not maybe a judgment, but some sort of preconceived notion about it just based on what other people, what other women say, what they say on the media, um, fucking sex in the city or whatever. Like certainly you had an opinion it, has it turned out to be what you thought it would be? Well, so for me, I'm not looking for a husband. I'm not even looking yeah. for a boyfriend. So right mm-hmm. now, at this point in my life, at this phase of my life, it's fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So no, I didn't expect it to be like that. I didn't expect to be having such a good time with <sighs> the dating experience. But I uh-huh. think it would be different if I was trying to find my next partner. Mm then I might feel differently because that seems to be a bit of a harder task. Like the people that I'm choosing to um, spend time with, uh-huh. I would not put in the category of future mate. Yeah. They are just current distractions. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right word, but you know what I mean? I, I, we're, I we're just, and everybody's on the same page, by the way, I've not deceived anyone or got, involved in a conversation with anyone without saying from the gate, like I'm not looking to get married or to be a girlfriend. I Mm -hmm, just mm want to hang out and date a little bit and have some fun. So everybody's been okay with that. So that situation is lovely. Yeah. Do you think, because it sounds like you're happily single. Very happily single right now. Yes. Do you think, think you'll ever be in a relationship again? Or do you think you'll ever get married again? Um, I definitely think I will be in a relationship again. I ultimately want that for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about getting married again. I, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know about that part. But um, I do mm-hmm. think I would like to find some, you know, somebody to spend the rest of my life with. And I, I know this is going to sound really crazy when I say this, but I've been thinking about it a lot and I hope that he has children because I would like to be around a family. Um, but I don't necessarily want my own. Um, so the idea of maybe me coming in as like an auntie or a big sister 
to an already mm-hmm. established family is very appealing to me. So um, I think, you know, uh, long term, that's probably what it is that I'm looking for. But I know I'm not there yet. So yeah. I just am going to continue to have fun right now until I feel differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel happily single, um, especially during the pandemic. I'm very glad. First of all, I'm very glad I'm not married to who I was married to before during this pandemic because we would have drove, we would have drove each other crazy. We would have, I mean, it, it ended up being a, a codependent kind of toxic relationship where we brought out the worst in each other. So I don't think we would have handled the pandemic together well at all. Second of all, I am really enjoying just having this place to myself, my own space. Um, it can be lonely. I'm sure you know, you know, especially going through a pandemic. Um, but I do really like being alone. And I, I've told you that I am looking at houses. I may be shopping around for a house and buying myself a house. Um, and as I do that, I always think in terms of this is a space I don't want to share with a man. Mm -hmm. I don't want to share this with another human being. So for me, I really don't foresee myself in any sort of long-term relationship in the future. Um, and at least the near future. Um, and I, I think I'm going, I think I may have committed myself to being single for the rest of my life, happily single. Um, simply because I just have really been enjoying my time alone and I feel, I don't know, I feel better about myself. I feel, like you said, I feel stronger. I feel, just more at ease with life and my mind is more at peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just me being me and just being me alone. Um, how, what about your sex life? Like, do you feel like, and not, not to put your ex-husband down, <laughs> but do you feel like sex is better after divorce or maybe is it sex after 40 or maybe is it sex then maybe not after divorce, but maybe because you have, um, different partners because you're not in this long-term committed because you do get to experiment and play around is sex better for you now than it was before so after that initial initiation back into the world of having sex with people um Mm -hmm. things took quite the turn (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness (laughs) yeah thank goodness is right um i that you are a different type of person in your forties. So all yes. of that confidence that you had to regain and that self-worth and that value that you had to learn about yourself coming out of divorce is directly <laughs> channeled into the bedroom. Uh, when you are with somebody you want to be with. So now you're coming <laughs> into a sexual relationship with somebody feeling very confident, knowing your value and being very clear in what you like and what you <laughs> want. And that mm-hmm. sexual experience is so different than anything I had ever known in my life. Mm. Um, c- getting to that place and being with somebody and just being able to not be shy, say, I like this, yeah. I don't like this, do this, don't do that, or whatever. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. reciprocating all of that, mm-hmm. it was a whole new experience. Mm-hmm. And then I was very fortunate to meet someone who um, wanted to push some boundaries, not in Mm -hmm. like any kind of way that is weird, but just in a way that I was maybe not used to. Um, And that completely opened my eyes into this whole new world of what it was like to be intimate with someone 
I had never mm. felt that kind of intimacy with somebody before or that trust or just yeah. that, um, I, you know, it, I would get so excited when I knew I was going to see him Whoa. and that feeling of just, you know, feeling like you're desired and you're wanted and then also wanting the other person. And I think mm -hmm. I explained this to you with this particular person that I'm referring to, the attraction was so primal. I had never experienced mm -hmm. that before. I didn't want to mm -hmm. date him, but when he would walk yeah. in the room, I would like run and jump on top of him. It was a very weird mm -hmm. um, situation for me to be in. I had never experienced that before. It was all new feelings, but it was the one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Because he satisfied you physically, but he also um, excited you maybe he satisfied you too, um, mentally, right? Like, wasn't there also like this sort of, it, there was a chemical connection for sure. Yes. There was a chemical thing going on between you two. But mentally, there was something else going on too. Like, like, like you, you mentioned intimacy. Like, I think you guys were also, yes, sexually intimate, but sexually mentally intimate. So I, I said this on the last time that we spoke on the podcast mm -hmm. that for mm -hmm. me, it's I need to be attracted to someone's mind in mm -hmm. order for me to feel anything. I need somebody to mm -hmm. outwit me. I think that's exactly what I said the last time. Yes, you did. You did. I was like, you're never going to find that person. <laughs> and this dude, <laughs> uh -huh. I was powerless. He was yes. smart. He was... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he had a lot of different qualities that I had just not seen in another person. And every time he mm -hmm. talked, I became more attracted to him. Uh, mm -hmm. And that it, like physically, he's not somebody I would have picked out of a lineup and said, Hey, I'm attracted to you. But mm -hmm. as he spoke, he became more and more attractive. And then I just, I had couldn't even help it anymore. And in mm -hmm. fact, mm -hmm. I was the one <laughs> who jumped the gun on our sexual relationship mm. via a text message yeah. when he innocently said, <laughs> so when you watch, when we, you know, hang out next time and like watch a movie, what else do you want to do? I answered that in a very forward way. And he was like, nice. I was talking about like getting dinner or something. <laughs> 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 and because it just, the it was there. The attraction was there. I knew we both felt it. And I just blurted it out. I didn't even stop myself. And that yeah. was when our entire relationship just took a turn. But I feel like he or this experience, I don't want to necessarily give him credit. That's just, I don't know. That's how I am. But the experience helped you learn new things about yourself. You helped. This is part of that surprise element. Yes. You surprised yourself and you learned new things about yourself. And while, yes, you were mentally intimate with this man as well as sexually intimate, I feel like you also developed a different level of sexual and mental intimacy with yourself. Uh, no question. There, mm -hmm. um, I had, I have never been at this point so sexually comfortable mm -hmm. in my whole life. Wow. Uh, and, and I, I will give him some credit for that because, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 again, coming out of a situation and you start dating and whatever. And I, you know, I went out with that attorney remember, and that was mm -hmm. so boring. Then I had this <laughs> really bad, uh, 
experience the first time I had sex coming out of the divorce. I, mm-hmm. I had went out on dates with exes. I had done all of these things. Um, and I, these guys really wanted to be to be a partner, I think, or be part of their mm-hmm. life as a girlfriend or whatever, or at least try it. Uh, and yeah. so their approach to me was very different. They were very, they were pure gentlemen, but they weren't um, overly affectionate with maybe their words mm-hmm. or the things that they were saying to me because it was all new. Mm-hmm. We were just kind of like tiptoeing yeah. through the dating. In this yeah. other experience, we had been friends already. That part was done. So by the time mm-hmm. it took a turn into a more sexual relationship, everything that came out of his mouth was to assure me mm-hmm. that I was what he wanted and what he desired. Oh, and that, Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. It just, that whole feeling was so different and mm-hmm. he would make a point of saying it in, in all different kinds of ways, but he wanted me to know that he was there for me and I had mm-hmm. not had somebody want me like that. Uh, mm-hmm in a very, very long time. Like these other guys wanted me, but they weren't like, let me throw you up against the wall and rip your clothes off. I mean, maybe they were, but yeah. they weren't acting like that. They were like, yeah, yeah. Let me open the door for you. And blah, 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 blah. Um, whereas this guy was just, you know, he had the same kind of primal reaction to me that I had to him. And I mm-hmm. needed it at that point in my life. And that it like shook me. It like woke me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was, you know, feeling like a woman again. I was feeling like a sexual being again. I was feeling like I wanted to be a sexual being again. And that starts to, I think, spill over into every part of your life. You want to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself more. You want to look better. You want to do this. You want to do that. Because all of a sudden, you're feeling so good about yourself because this one person made it a point to remind you how badass you are. And so oh. even though maybe things didn't work out necessarily um, cleanly with this particular person, yeah. the yeah. impact that he had on my life will last mm-hmm. with me forever. Yes, I love men who leave an impact. I had that happen. Remember with Air Force Man? Yes. In February, he was the guy who made, and I mean, we're talking about like a week long fling. And I cannot forget this man. He left an impact. And that's what, that's what men should aim for. Is that impact? Am I, is she going to remember me forever? Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you right now, Jody, I'm at the point where I can't even keep up with the number of men I've had sex with because some of them are so fucking forgetful. <laughs> I mean, forgettable. I, you know, if yeah. it wasn't a memorable experience, I ain't going to fucking remember it. So like I'm at the point now where I can't even keep count anymore. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even going to bother putting any more notches on my bedpost because I can't fucking remember. I get Do it. I fuck anymore. <laughs> I totally yeah. get it. Because some of them really just leave you with nothing. But those, but you're right. The men that leave you with that, uh, with just, you know, something that you're always going to remember in your heart. Mm -hmm. I know this is going to sound so corny, but, uh, it reminds me, I think of the woman in Titanic when she's at the edge of the boat and she's holding onto that Joel and she's just (laughs) thinking about like all the things that have impacted her life. Maybe it wasn't the person she ended up with or anything like that, but there are people that come in your life that touch your soul in such a way 
that you're never going to yeah. forget them. And this person, mm-hmm. he is one of those people. And that is a very short list. What are some of the lessons you've learned in the past year? You know, it's been a year now. You were, you know, hesitant, like a little bunny, afraid of dating. Now you're like super badass and discovering things about yourself. So what are some of the lessons you've learned about yourself, about dating, about sex? Some of the lessons you would want, you want a woman who's listening right now, who is where you were a year ago, signing those fucking divorce papers mm-hmm. and, you know, feeling shitty and sad and negative, but knowing it's the right thing to do, what would you tell her her lessons are going to be that she's going to learn in the course of a year? Your timeline is your timeline and you can't Mm -hmm. judge it by anyone else's. So if it takes you a shorter amount of time or a longer amount of time to heal or get to the place where you feel like dating, you you need to take the time that you need. I think everyone is very different in that respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't feel pressured to do anything, to go out with anyone, get very comfortable saying no to people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a lesson as a, as a people pleaser, which it's a lesson mm-hmm. that I had to learn that even though maybe mm-hmm. I connected with somebody on an app, I did not have to continue that conversation. That's a good point. You are under no obligation to continue talking to anyone that you don't want to talk to and be okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is that uh, when it comes to sex, if you are with somebody who you're comfortable with, I hope that they will allow you to explore your newfound life and confidence Mm -hmm. with them because Mm -hmm. that is a, a sexual awakening that every divorced woman needs to go through. And so everyone should find that person. And it will probably not be who you expect it to be. And that's okay. too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You don't ever have to date again. You could literally have a series of men that you have flings with, and that is okay. And so Mm -hmm. all these, these things that I think that were taught by society, none of it is true. You don't need a partner. You don't need to date. You can have sex on the first date. Mm-hmm. You just have to do whatever it is that you feel most comfortable with. But the biggest thing I think, one of the biggest things that I learned was that I have to control my dating life. And so saying no to people, blocking people, removing people from social media, doing all those things are necessary steps in mm-hmm. order to continue dating healthily. So, um, you know, if, if you're texting with somebody, you gave somebody your number, for instance, and you're texting with them and it's over, block them. Don't, and you know, yeah. if it, especially if it didn't end up well, um, don't mm-hmm. leave that door open to feel guilt ever. Yeah. Um, make your decision, move on to the next thing. And so, uh, that was a big lesson for me. I felt like everybody I connected with, I needed to devote time and energy to, and that's not true. You don't owe any human being anything just because you connected just because he told you you were pretty just because you had a phone conversation even um you don't owe and and even if going on a date you don't owe them sex I mean you know just you don't owe anyone anything the only person you owe anything to is yourself oh and here's another one this is actually something you taught me which I adopted and started doing and that was if you're meeting somebody for the first time text their name and information to two or three friends Mm -hmm. and let them know where you are so that you are safe. So safety is like a whole other thing. 
Um, and I will yeah. also say that I have been, you know, I went out and I bought condoms and I make sure that I have them all the time. And I making it a regular habit to get uh, STD tests and things like that, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a whole other element. And one more thing I will say <laughs> is yeah. that uh, you have every right to know if the person you're sleeping with is sleeping with other people. Oh, for sure. And they don't have to tell you who or how often or the details, but you have Mm -hmm. every right to know if they are. So this situation that I had with this person, it was very clear. We were not sleeping with anybody else while we were sleeping together Mm -hmm. for, we both got tested before, Mm -hmm. entered into a sexual relationship and agreed that it would just be Uh, monogamous between the two of us sexually anyway, even though we weren't in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so these are things that um, when you're married, you don't have to think about. So I had to navigate through some of that. So the safety factor of telling people when you're going out on a date and sharing that person's information with people so they know where you are being safe sexually, you know, when you're married, you don't think about that. Well, we have to take control of our safety. So I'm glad you brought up the whole, you know, texting people, the information of the guy. Um, I have a steadfast rule and Amy Helt, who was uh, my online dating expert who was here last season. Um, we both have that rule of know the guy, know the dude's last name. Like if a dude will not give me his fucking last name, I am not meeting up with him. So I need his first name, last name, a picture. I need his phone number. And that information is going to my friends as well as my mother. Because she definitely is keeping an eye on me. And um, so that we have to keep an eye on that part of the safety factor as well. But additionally, our own health. And like you said, we've got to, you know, just be assertive and have condoms and have an assortment available and not take no for an answer when it comes to wearing a condom. You know, practice birth control. Have those honest talks. If we're going to go without condoms, have the honest talks. Um, Are you sleeping with anybody else? Have they been tested? Have you been tested? Um, you know, if we're going to have the sexual uh, experience without a condom, then we need to maybe not see other people while we're doing this. So mm-hmm. I like what you're saying. You're obviously looking out for yourself. And that is a big part of being single and being divorced is that we need to take charge of looking out for ourselves. And for me, one of the biggest lessons I've learned that goes along with, you know, looking out for myself and self-care, it's, it's self-care, is falling, back, falling in love with myself. Mm-hmm. I don't need an external entity, a man, to fall in love with me in order for me to love me, right? Like, I need to fall in love with myself. And so I think that's the biggest lesson that can come out of divorce. And, you know, that first year after divorce is to make an effort to fall back in love with yourself. Yeah. You know, and that made me actually think of another lesson that I'm currently Mm -hmm. learning right now. And that is Mm -hmm. if you have that value, that self-worth, and you're in love with yourself, when somebody Mm -hmm. says to you that they no longer want to continue the relationship, you can walk away feeling some kind of peace. Instead mm-hmm. of feeling that it was because of you. Yeah. And that is a, a really good place to get to because it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get mm-hmm. it, the rejection after a divorce stings. Yes. And it stings hard. And maybe that's something that we should warn everybody about. 
it can sting harder as a matter of fact. Don't you feel like that? Like I know the, the guy who didn't love me back, that rejection for me was harder to accept than my actual divorce. It, it absolutely like absolutely Mm -hmm. can hurt more because you're so raw from the divorce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you have this other person saying to you, you know, um, I don't want to be with you. And sometimes you don't get the privilege of having a reason from that person. Yeah. And so you have to learn to be able to (laughs) just walk away gracefully and understand again, not take it personally. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe reflect and understand your contribution to why things didn't necessarily work out, not in a negative way, but just so that you can learn for future relationships, Uh, you know, take a breath and then move on, but not also blame that person or hold them Mm -hmm. responsible for why you're feeling the way that you are. So, you know, in Mm -hmm. our 40s, we can't, we can't send drunk text messages yelling at somebody that broke our heart. I mean, we can. I mean, we can, but we shouldn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We can, but we shouldn't. Um, <laughs> we were both thinking the same thing. Uh, <laughs> yes, we can, but we shouldn't. It's a different, uh, walking away with grace is mm-hmm. something I'm currently working on right now because I am walking away yes. from something. So I'm yeah. learning to walk away with grace. That is a great lesson. I love that. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. Yep. And I want to thank you so much for sharing what are really are some very personal details about your experience one year after divorce, and especially for sharing the lessons you've learned over the course of the year. And I hope that anyone listening who's going through divorce, who's about to get divorced, a breakup, that counts too. You know, I think a long, if you've been in a long-term relationship and it's a breakup, it's, it could be just as hard as, as a divorce. Um, I hope that listeners are, 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 are catching on to, you know, your advice, your lessons, and I really hope they benefit from it. So thank you so much, Jody. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I think the work that you're doing with this podcast is really powerful. So I appreciate Aww. having the outlet to talk about it more. And I know that many, many women are benefiting from what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I sincerely hope you enjoyed that interview with Jody. Wasn't it great? I mean, I really hope that you got out of it that sense of hope and optimism that I talked about earlier, right? There's light at the end of the tunnel. It is not all doom and gloom. It's a year later for Jody, but we we leave her knowing that there's she has a great future ahead of her. And that's what it would be like for you too. It's awkward. It's weird. There's a transition that first year. Yes, but you can get through it. And you're not alone. You're part of a special club. You're part of the single women's club, the newly divorced club, the newly just broken up club, right? There's a whole group of us out there and you're not alone. So think of this podcast as your support group. That's what I'm here for. So please keep in touch with me at thereareno.niceguys.com. I have a contact form. You can fill it out. You can ask a question. You can leave me some feedback. Maybe suggest a topic. Maybe suggest uh, someone to be interviewed. And that can even be yourself. So please stay in touch. And 
please return next week because it is my season finale already. Season two has come to its final conclusion. And I have a very, very, very special guest. It's my mother. So if you follow me on Twitter at Lolly Shopping, you know that I talk often about mother. I repeat conversations we've had. I repeat something funny she said. Um, So I brought her in. Uh, She is of the boomer generation. And she's going to give me her insight and perspective on what it's like to be single today compared to what it was like to be single in her day. And she offers a lot of good advice. She offers me a lot of encouragement. She's very, very sweet. So you'll want to hear that and stick around, especially since I think all of us going through this sort of transition into being single again, breakups, divorces. I mean, there's nothing more comforting than the love and advice and encouragement of your mother. So stay tuned. Can't wait to see you then. Freak, 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 freak.